Hi, my name is Ali Wine. I'm a non-resident senior fellow at the Atlantic Council, and I have the distinct privilege of speaking this afternoon with a scholar and a role model of mine who is easily one of the most important voices in thinking about China's domestic politics and the trajectory of U.S.-China relations. I'm speaking, of course, of Jessica Chen Weiss, who is an associate professor of government at Cornell University and an editor of the Monkey Cage blog at the Washington Post. So, Jessica, I just wanted to dive right in and and focus on the piece that you wrote recently for Foreign Affairs as a website entitled China's Self-Defeating Nationalism and focusing on that 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 word self-defeating. You know, why has China pursued this manner of so-called wolf warrior diplomacy that has evidently undercut its diplomatic status quite widely and blunted uh, the recent momentum of some of the economic initiatives? So one, why has it pursued that manner of diplomacy in recent months? And secondly, who are the prominent voices in the Chinese government and in the Chinese analytical community who are pushing back against this more overtly nationalistic disposition? Well, thanks, Ali. It's great to be here with you. In my mind, the Chinese government is uh, facing a very difficult domestic landscape, uh, and particularly as the U.S.-China trade war heated up in 2018 and 2019, the Chinese government began to realize and double down on a strategy of setting the domestic stage for a protracted conflict with the United States. And that's when you saw, started seeing the Chinese TV airing Korean war-era films emphasizing the people's ability to endure and prevail mm -hmm. in a drawn-out conflict with the United States. And so by September of that year, you had Xi Jinping you know, encouraging cadres to dare to struggle, be good at fighting, um, which effectively gave spokespeople like Zhao Lijian and Hua Chunying a much longer leash to engage in all sorts of kind of brazen social media messaging, um, mm -hmm. almost as if the Global Times had taken over the podium. <laughs> so I think it's this a, you know, effort to shore up domestic resolve for, uh, you know, a drawn out and increasingly escalated fight with the United States that has led China to embrace this wolfy warrior diplomacy. And then that only uh, sort of took off once, uh, you know, COVID-19 uh, swept the world and, and led to all sorts of uh, criticisms from around the world, not just the United States, of, of China's, um, you know, role in not being forthcoming enough at the outset of the pandemic. And, and it's really sobering to think that this pandemic, which should have, in an ideal world, occasioned some level of emergency coordination between the two world's two foremost powers, has actually, by virtue of its strategic fallout, its health fallout, its economic fallout, has actually precipitated this, or at least set in motion, a series of events that has brought the relationship to its lowest level since normalization. So I guess, do you think that the bilateral relationship would have ended up where it is today without that kind of exogenous shock and that essentially the pandemic has basically just hastened the arrival of an outcome that was somewhat preordained? Or do you think that the pandemic has played an unusually uh, destructive role in bringing the relationship to its current level? You know, I see everything really through the lens of domestic politics here, and particularly on the U.S. side. I think without the pandemic, you wouldn't have had a Trump administration uh, sort of flailing about for ways of diverting attention from their disastrous performance on mm. in fighting the disease. You would have instead probably a, a Trump administration that was celebrating, you know, the, the phase one trade deal with China as the greatest thing ever. Um, and so you wouldn't have seen the kind of death spiral that we're uh, seeing in U.S.-China relations right now. 
And there would be more forces, I think, pushing back against, uh, of course, what are real frictions and concerns uh, in the relationship, but not the same kind of over-the-top uh, rhetoric uh, driving both sides to an existential conflict. And on that note, do you, what do you make of this rhetoric that we're in a, a new Cold War or we're on the precipice of a new type of Cold War? And, and related to that question, do you think that bilateral frictions have reached the point that they have largely precluded even self-evidently necessary areas of cooperation? Or do you think that there is still yet the possibility for bilateral cooperation, at least on some big ticket items, whether climate change or, or mitigating pandemic disease? Under the current administration, I don't see much prospect for cooperation on the pandemic or climate change. There's a possibility mm. that in a new administration under a, a Biden administration that we would see room for that kind of urgently needed uh, cooperation, even as the two sides continue to uh, differ and, and hammer out their differences on these other issues. But uh, so in my view, the China and the United States are not destined for a new Cold War or even a hot one, but the Trump administration in its current kind of incarnation here with uh, folks like Mike Pompeo in charge, I think are really trying to bring one about um, and maybe what they believe in their heart of hearts is necessary. Uh, and it may be part of a, a larger strategy to get Trump reelected. And it brings to mind what you just said. It brings to mind your recent, you know, sub China piece in which you warned the United States against in pursuing a Pyrrhic victory against China, in which we are notionally more competitive and we're outwardly more confrontational, but we end up looking back years hence and realizing that we don't have even a baseline of cooperation with the country that possesses the second largest economy. I think it's more that we are in trying to compete with China, actually undermining the very things that we are ostensibly trying to protect, mm -hmm. um, including, you know, for example, U.S. higher education and the attractiveness of the United States as a place for uh, global